Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Starting out, you know, as a young business owner, you really don't know what you don't know. So it's kind of interesting to see what you do learn along the way, but ask a lot of questions. That's the one thing I can say is that really there is no dumb question. That is truth. You look anywhere you can for advice, but sometimes it's already within yourself. You just need someone else to kind of recognize it for you. We're talking today with Jen Kelly, a multi-business entrepreneur and educator based in Lewisburg, Kansas. Jen says she was born to change the world one head at a time as a hairdresser, but she's continued to expand her influence by opening multiple businesses and traveling the country to train other aspiring hairdressers and entrepreneurs. Jen's the owner of Frankie's Salon, Frankie's Boutique, the local brew coffee house, and the Glam Shack. Now let's go hear from Jen. Awesome. Good morning. Great to see everyone. It's Thursday, which means it's snowing again. For some reason, we're in that pattern now of Thursday and our Zoom and snow, but uh, it'll be spring sometime soon. But uh, great to be together. Awesome to see all of you. Been excited to spend time with Lewisburg multi-entrepreneur Jen Kelly, who just has an eye for opportunity. And I've been excited to learn more about your journey, Jen, and all the uh, inspirations in your life and the where you develop the courage and the eye for the things you've done business-wise. Uh, so good morning. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you uh, well, good morning. back Thanks and talk about you know some of your early inspirations and uh, where you first got this heart for entrepreneurship? Well, I was born a hairdresser for one, and that's a job in itself. But it's always been kind of a self-driven sort of a career choice for me. So when I first moved back to Lewisburg in my mid-20s, I wanted to open a salon and a boutique. And I had all these kind of bright ideas that didn't have a clue at 25 where to start. But once I acquired the building, hence the remodeling began. And from there, I just kind of put one foot in front of the other and opened the salon initially. And gosh, back in the day... I actually had a consignment boutique come through there. We tried boutique offerings here and there, but I'll tell you, the minute I opened in 2006, it was not long after that, that we had the entire economy tank and everything kind of went downhill from there. So mainly just keeping your head above water was all I could think about back then. And gosh, 16 years in, that's kind of where we're at. So renting a building was, you know, my first direction. And then of course, aspiring to own some things kind of what brought me to the other side of town. So that's kind of what uh, took me down the direction of 68 highway, which is where I live now with all of my new exciting offerings. So what'd you learn going through that tough time of starting a business and then having the economy go down because there are people going through that today? Well, you know, I think it's just taking it one day at a time. I can recall signing my first lease and it was more than my house mortgage was at the time for a five-year note thinking, how am I ever going to do this? But I really just think taking it one piece of the puzzle at a time and just kind of looking at it day by day. I think if you look too far in the future, it can be overwhelming. So I think slowing it down a little bit and just really taking it in little tiny pieces, it's a lot easier to overcome the small things and the big things. So that's kind of what got me where I wanted to go a little bit at a time. And, you know, buying my commercial building was the same thing. I remember how daunting that process was, to be honest. Starting out, you know, as a young business owner, 
you really don't know what you don't know. So it's kind of interesting to see what you do learn along the way, but ask a lot of questions. That's the one thing I can say is that really there is no dumb question. That is truth. And really reach out in your community. I'm basically one of the luckiest people I know to stand behind a chair all day and talk and get paid for it. It's like a hobby that pays. I get to enjoy the work that I do. But at the same time, I get to talk all day, which is handy for me. I like to talk if you guys don't know me that well. But really just asking questions amongst everybody that came in and out of my chair gave me lots and lots of direction to kind of try new things. And to be fearless, I think I was born this way. That much I can tell you. But I think just taking the risks and that's where you get the payoff. You know, you got to play to win. So if you don't, then I guess you just kind of sit tight. But that's not my nature. So I do happen to think a lot of our hometowns. So it's really fun to see colleagues of mine, you know, I grew up with and how they've grown in their businesses and just really trying to see growth in everybody. I'm able to grow people in my industry as far as young stylists that come in and give them a career path and show them the ropes, if you will. But what's kind of crazy is I've always said that they teach me more than I teach them. And I think that's true in business too. You have to look to those around you, both above and below you. And I think that's one thing that's always helped me kind of, I guess, keep my head in the game and keep, I guess, keep it real. You know, there's a massive amount of courage in what you did, especially at a young age to go out there and start your own business. And a lot of people have that idea and have that dream and just never find the way to make that leap. So what do you think it was in you? Was it early influences? Were there people you looked around and saw that inspired you that do you think it's just unique genetically about you that you just said, I'm fearless? I think I've always said, I've been told no one too many times. Um, I think just basically self-drive, like I just wasn't going to take no for an answer myself and just really like just the desire to want to do it and the passion behind it. And I think maybe being a little bit young and naive didn't really, I guess, hurt matters, but I'm not sure if it helped either at the time, but really just taking that leap was something that I just didn't have a choice not to. I think I was just born this way on one hand. I've always said that for one, I was a born hairdresser. So that's something that you, they tend to want to please people and just change the world one head of hair at a time. Well, I think that's true in business too, is that I just really wanted to make a difference. And I really wanted to be somebody and do something different in life. And I had a lot of challenges growing up and I wasn't the best student on the planet. We'll just say that. So the fact that I'm in education now is kind of comical to me, but um, just, I think really challenging myself. I'm definitely up for a good challenge. And I think it's just something that self-pride, you know, when you accomplish a little bit of something, it makes you feel good. So then you go for a little bit more, a little bit more. And then pretty soon that domino effect takes over and here you are. So the hair salon turned into a coffee shop and a boutique and an event center. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that process of seeing unusual oh. properties. You, you turned a lot laundromat into a coffee shop and a garage into an event center. And so you just look at properties that other people might ride by and ignore and you see value in them. Well, to go back to the beginning too, when I opened my salon, it was originally a drive-through car wash when I was in high school. I can recall sitting in the parking lot with friends on a Friday evening, but it's interesting to see how a small town can evolve. Um, I originally 
looked at that commercial building just as, you know, a stepping stone somewhere new to go, a, a different side of town to be on, a little different, you know, I guess as far as location for me. But when we took the building over and, you know, it was Mr. Goodsense at that point, which back then it had a nice walk-in refrigerator and freezer, which I tore out, which now I would kill to have back owning a coffee shop, right? So when I bought the commercial property, it had a, a tenant already in place for the lease next door. They've been there 21 years as a dry cleaners. So for me, it was kind of a smart business choice to step into a building that had a little bit of potential and hopefully not a lot of remodeling. So the salon went in and about six years later, we were doing a little more remodeling, you know, as, as things go. And then of course our shutdown happened. And when the cleaners went out of business, for one, we didn't need another vacant space in our hometown. I didn't need two front doors. So that's kind of when I put the feelers out there in our community to see about opening up another dry cleaners as a service that we, we could provide or a coffee shop. I've always been a fan of coffee. Kind of goes hand in hand if you're a hairdresser, but also just adding in, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, cafe feel, you know, soup, salad, sandwiches. So once we put the coffee shop in motion, that kind of just took off like wildfire as far as the town got really excited. Everybody was home, as you can recall. We were all looking for somewhere to go, something to do. So at that same point in time, remodeling the salon and the coffee shop, it was a whole new feel, kind of like a whole facelift. So I went back to the idea of, of owning a boutique. One of my stylists came in wearing a giant pair of flare bell bottoms and I thought those are fun. So then it kind of went back to that rabbit hole of, oh, let's have clothes. So we brought in a little bit at a time and had a little corner boutique inside the salon. And you know that's the point in time where you were shopping online. You couldn't touch anything tangibly. It was all just through a screen. So I think I always joke saying it being sweater season, Everything was soft and everybody wanted to have a new sweater. So we sold a lot of sweaters. And pretty soon I looked around one day and I was cutting hair inside my closet because there was just clothes wall to wall. And I had just remodeled that place. So it was like Swiss cheese holes in my wall. So a little bit sad there, but um, I'd been staring out the window across the street from me, kind of catty corner from the salon and, and the coffee shop. And there was just this property that had been it's a 130 year old house. And then there was a little barn dominium, you know, kind of a feel to a little event space there. And I just kept looking at that thinking someone's going to do something with that. Right. When you pull in our hometown, there's so much going on. And then there's also these kind of voids and, you know, your eye candy when you pull into town. So I just kind of had this little idea of throwing the boutique inside the house and that would be a good fit. It had been a boutique before a few different times. And I think it was just kind of a unique little place. But then the glam shack came to be because this barn was right there, free for the taking with the property. So I noticed that they had used the upper loft for just for storage. And, you know, when I bought that property, it was full of a lot of merchandise. The gal that had owned it previously basically took what she wanted and left the rest. So I kind of evolved some of my ideas on the treasures I found because I found a lot of treasures, <laughs> a little bit of trash too, but a lot of treasures. But, um, taking that loft and making it a unique space for all types of like group sleeping or just overflow kind of gave us the idea to do lots of different things. So the event space is, you know, fun to host things, you know, paint and wine parties. I think one of my favorites is a class for mythology that they had put on this past year for serving cocktails and learning different fun techniques on that. But doing our third Fridays came about soon after that, it's a whole nother topic. 
But anyways, I think just looking at a, a space and trying to decide what it could be is like the options are endless. So talk about third Fridays, because that's really kind of a little incubator for other entrepreneurs, isn't it? So third Fridays is basically a network of business owners, be them small, you know, in-home businesses, or if you have a storefront, it just basically was trying to get an organized fashion to shout out all the businesses here on the South side of the city. So Miami County, Lewisburg, you name it, we're trying to kind of reach out big. You guys may be familiar with first Fridays downtown. That sort of was just one business owner and it kind of grew. So that's basically where it starts. Uh, the, the fee to join it monthly is $25. Basically, I come around and just do a mini commercial for your business. Some, some email me, you know, specs on what they want me to say. A lot of business owners are really, really shy to promote themselves. And it takes a voice to be heard. So I don't know, secretly, I wanted to be like a news anchor someday in my other life. But I don't have too much of a problem going out and and speaking about people's businesses and walking in and showcasing things. And so third Fridays in the countryside is something that storefront business owners experience in home or in, in house we'll say, but those that don't have a storefront, we open up the glam shack to bring them together and let them showcase their merchandise and hopefully network off one another. There's a few businesses that have really big followings that I think can be a bigger voice for some of those that are still growing and don't have a voice or have a smaller voice. So that's one thing that I just really enjoy. And it's been really fun. It started out, I guess, a couple of years ago on a small business Saturday, I drove around and I remember sitting at, at the pharmacy um, drives through Kevin and Cassie's uh, hometown pharmacy, you know, feel where I thought, you know, why not buy a gift card? It's Christmas, give the gift of good health. And that's kind of where it started. Just shouting out, things you could do to shop in our hometown and then showcasing what's right under our noses. I feel like people are touristy when they want to travel, but if you ever were a tourist in your own hometown, there's a lot we're overlooking. So, you know, antiques, boutiques, the wineries, all that fun stuff. People will travel a long ways to get here, kind of that destination feel. But when you live here and you don't take the time to slow down, I'm not sure the last time you went and sat beside everyone and had a donut. Not many of us have. You might get it to go because it's your favorite, but you may not take the time to wander around and see what they have. So I learned a lot just cruising around each business month to month, just seeing what's new. So that's kind of where that whole idea went. So hopefully it'll keep growing. You know, Drew made a comment on here about it's awesome seeing people have a passion for their community. You can tell you've woven that passion for your community into your business and into helping other businesses. What cultivated that within you and how do you, how do you tie that sense of community into all you do? Well, I always say it's always better with friends. So lonely, lonely at the top by yourself to own a business and not have anyone to share it with. I think it's something that, you know, I definitely never wanted to see that happen for myself. And I think a lot of it is my industry is just such a social place to be. And, you know, I got involved really young and, you know, some of the chamber of commerce things and rotary. And I can recall for one being terrified, really terrified, hated public speaking. I, I will tell any of you that are afraid of that. It is a learned, learned trait that you can come up with. Just keep at it, keep trying. But that being said, I think the more comfortable I got, the easier it became. But I'll tell you, you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. 
And that's one thing that I did force myself to do. But just seeing other people grow and networking, I feel like, you know, that whole strength in numbers thing, we can do so much more together than we can on our own. And it's just exciting. I think each time I meet someone that owns a business, they're so excited to tell you all about it. It doesn't matter what it is. And it may or may not even interest you. But if you just listen to what they have to say, sometimes, you know, that whole thing, just being open-minded. I like this whole lesson thing. When you said the word lesson, someone starts to listen. So if you think of that each and every day is an adventure. And when you slow down and just pay attention, I feel like so much of us have more to offer than meets the eye. If you've got any questions, type in the chat and we'll, uh, we'll get you on to talk to Jen. Uh, David here brings up no substitute for energy. You, you've got tons of energy, but what are, when are the bad days? What do you do on the bad days? <laughs> oh, I sleep sometimes. Occasionally Sundays, just ask my family, like mom, get off the couch. There's, there's downtime, but yeah, definitely. I'm a very high energy person. That's just kind of always been by nature. I mean, I don't ever stop thinking. I laugh. I keep on my nightstand occasionally when I get overwhelmed, you know, like a pad and paper just to write down thoughts and ideas because it really is never ending. I feel like each and every day I talk to somebody new. It's like, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. I think half of my staff is like, don't have any more bright ideas today. And then when I do get stressed, fun fact, I like to rearrange everything. The furniture, it's a good thing. Part of my salon is hardwired in the stations now. Because my long-term guests, they would come in for a haircut and my salon would be flipped upside down. So I don't know if that's just something I do for fun or if it's just a way to avoid paperwork. You never know. I just like to rearrange everything. Now, for someone that didn't like public speaking, you do a lot of social and a lot of video. And I can see that it looks like building a, a relationship with your clients. Talk about how you do that and where that comes from and what's the impact you've seen of that? Well, honestly, when I got in this industry, I didn't really have a clue what I was getting into as far as my, my stylist life behind the chair. And about 20 years into my career, I'd had in my spine nine injections and the writing was on the wall. I was done doing hair. And at that point I froze. I'm like, what do I do? Who's going to hire me? I'm a born hairdresser. And to be honest, I had to go down the road of finding a different way to, you know, stay in my industry and still have a career and generate income, but, you know, take a different turn. And so that's what brought me down the road of education. And that's where I challenged myself. I mean, I remember flying to Minneapolis with several veteran educator stylists and um, really just facing my fears. I mean, I had to do like a five minute presentation, which felt like, you know, an hour at the time. And then they videotaped me and they made me watch it with my colleagues. And first of all, I got to critique myself, then my colleagues did, then my mentors did. And if I could survive that, I could survive anything. So public speaking, I mean, as a kid, for one, I stuttered a lot and talked super fast. So I had really a, a tough time getting over some of those things. But once I did it, like I said, just a little bit at a time, I painfully watch all my videos with sound, without, and kind of learn a little bit about how to communicate. But I think just really finding that voice and then realizing, hey, it's not that bad. I can do this. And then, you know, you laugh at yourself, you say something silly or like start to lose your words and you just kind of go back, you know, take a minute, take a breath and go from there. But it's been really enjoyable for me because 
I see so many owners that just don't know where to start or what to say. And then I'll kind of give them a little coaching advice on, you know, just do a quick little video or, you know, I started going live because it forced me to do it. <laughs> I can recall sending in a video standing in my salon when we had the cleaners open and I had to send in another initial five minute video. And I would get four minutes in and somebody would be knocking on the window. Hey, Jen. And I would be so devastated. I lost this four minutes. I just start completely over. But I used to do that where I would shoot videos and 70, 80 tries later, I'd keep starting over. So that was the one thing I did was just started going live. So then the big joke came of Gen, Gen TV was born. because so I do a lot of different live videos on a lot of different platforms. But I don't know. It's just one of those things that you just got to get out there and you got to put yourself out there. And I know it's scary as hell. Trust me, I'm scared every day. What I laugh about is, you know, I could be on stage doing a hair show and be terrified. In my mind, my voice is shaking and I'm completely looking nervous. And then I go back and look at it and I'm like, that's yeah, all right. There's a saying, fake it till you make it. I guess I've taken that a little bit too far. But get out there and have some fun. <clears throat> Let's go to David. Hey, Jen. Uh, again, hey. love love, love your energy. And as uh, being the son of... Uh, a mother who was a hairdresser as well. You know, it's interesting. People think of uh, having to leave a having to leave a line of work because of injuries. They'll think of sports and things like that. But uh, you know, just ask someone who has to you know be on their feet all day long, every single day. Um, appreciate that. Hey, the question I had for you is, you know, a lot of times when when people want to start a business, they think that you know they got to have this one big thing. Um, and I think that probably causes uh, people to delay or, or perhaps not even get started. And what I find fascinating about you is that you know you started with one thing and then you went on to something else, something else, something something else. All these different uh, uh, all these different businesses that you started. What advice would you give to someone who? you know, has an idea and, and wants to start a business to, to kind of avoid that, that paralysis of waiting well, for everything, I would say everything perfect. The little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. So when you look at the big picture, it can just be so daunting. If you just take it, like I said, one, one step at a time and really focus on one small thing and then kind of grow into it from there, I would say, look at a space that for one, that you can afford starting out a lot of people get in over their head. I think that they try and go too big too fast. And I think that's something that there's room to grow in your, in your career and down your career path. So sometimes I think that we have it in our head and hearts that if we can't do it the best, then we shouldn't do it at all. That's completely not true in my opinion. I feel like there's ways you can start and basically find a stepping stone. And then from there, look ahead a little bit further, a little bit further down that road. And things evolve and change and you grow as a business owner. I mean, gosh, if I was the same person at 25 as I am today, I don't know where we'd all be, right? But um, the thing about it is just kind of taking it slow and I mean, taking the leap of faith and doing it for yourself, but at the same time, making it manageable so that you can, you know, don't bite off more than, more than you can chew, but at the same time, you know, make sure that your head's in the game too and just start small. No, that's Jen, that's great advice. 
could you repeat that first line that you had? That was a gem. It said little, the little things, things don't... don't mean a lot. They mean everything. I mean, for an example, when I opened my salon, I spent all the money I had in my business loan I acquired, you know, at my young age. And I spent all the money I had on product to resell, which was going to be profitable. Remodeling had to happen. Some tenant finished things had to be done. But the day before I opened, I can recall asking my parents, you know, I had my great grandmother's um, dresser with a mirror on it, you know, antique, as you can all imagine. It was my great great grandmother's. I'd had it for a while as a housewarming gift, you know, buying my first home. And I called my dad and I said, Can I drill some holes in the side of Granny's dresser? He was like, What for? I'm like, I don't have any furniture. Like, I look back at the initial photos of when I opened Frankie's and there isn't anything in the background, literally nothing. I mean, I look for local artists to just to put wall, like wall art up because I didn't have any money for pictures. Like for real, that's as small as it was. And I used antique dressers for the longest time. I used, I mean, I would go to a garage sale and this is, you know, rehabbing furniture hadn't quite hit the market yet as this big new business. But I spray painted anything I could get my hands on. I painted my concrete floors like three times, but I just really tried to take and do more with what I had or didn't have. And I think that's something that those little things, they don't mean a lot. They do mean everything. And I, I miss that dresser. It was a good station. Had a little wonky mirror to it. It was kind of quirky, but everybody laughed about it looking back. But that's the thing when I bought the property I'm in now and actually got to buy new furniture. It was fun, like a kid in a candy store, but it wasn't near as fun as some of those rewarding moments I, I can recall when I was doing it on my own way back in the day. Well, thanks, Jen. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, that, that quote will make the highlight reel, David. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm going to steal it, but I will uh, I will give you a, a credit for it, Jen. That's, I love that. Oh, it's definitely not mine. Everything's borrowed from somebody else, right? It sounds like a lot of your teaching is about how to run a successful business. Talk about what you're doing teaching. So I work for a hair care company and I travel around. I'm one of their national educators just to teach haircutting as far as, you know, how to place color, how to actually, you know, execute a haircut, but also business. It's one thing I work with a lot of business owners and I'm in the industry of all women. So women is um, an interesting, you know, way to be in business. I think it's kind of funny. Sometimes I'll walk into the salon and it's ice cold. I can tell they're not good at sharing their ideas. Everyone's very independent and that's kind of how they want to keep it. But my thing is I love to collaborate. I don't want to compete with somebody. I want to collaborate together and figure out how to make things better. So I get to travel around all over the U.S. If I wanted to, I try and stay close to home. My, my, my life's here. But walking into salons and teaching, you know, entire salon teams, or if I go to a hair show, you know, it could be a bigger platform. I actually get to headline the um, trade show down in Dallas for our industry here. Um, in April coming up, but just teaching business and understanding how to buy in bulk and how to you know increase your profit margins, how to look at your menu and see where you can have room for changes and improvement, and just ways I can share what I've learned. And then in that process, I learn a ton. My salon company itself, from hourly employees to commission through you know rental opportunities, basically I try not to ever lose a good employee because they've ceilinged out where they have nowhere to go. So business-wise, it's always been a personal choice for me to continually evolve and ever change. And that's something that I think 
stylists don't, aren't, aren't the greatest at tunnel vision is what we always call it. But educating to me, just, I mean, yesterday I was in Omaha at a beauty school and, you know, these are babies that just got in beauty school five minutes ago. But then, you know, next week I'll be in a salon with veteran stylists that have been doing here 30 years. So just being able to share what's trending and fun as far as the technique goes in my industry, that's the, you know, the, the hobby side of it. But the business side of it too, for me, is so much more rewarding because people don't know what they don't know until you show them. And we were talking right before this call came on. I think, Randy, you said you have to say something seven times until they hear it. I think a lesson is taught to you over and over again until you learn it. And that could be as many times as it takes. So that's one thing is education is something that we all need. And I think that we forget to put ourselves on the list for that. I think we joke about, you know, what's, what's something that we all need to learn and work on is social media. We all need to learn how to Instagram a little bit better and learn how to market ourselves. But if you don't ever take any classes or ask any questions to educate, then I think you're missing out. So either way, just when you're green, you grow, you're ripe, you rot. So always keep your head looking forward. So that's kind of where I like to be. Let's go to Steve. Well, thank you, Randy, for another great lessons in leadership. And Jen, enjoy listening to your entrepreneurial journey. I'm kind of interested in culture. Each of your businesses uh, have a social element to them. I'm wondering uh, if you uh, install a uh, similar culture into each business. So being family owned, that's one thing that I really like to instill is that that warm, welcoming feeling. Um, one thing when, when you say culture, people will always forget what you say, but never forget how you make them feel. I mean, the one thing with these younger kids employ lots and lots of them at different boutiques or different, I guess, avenues in my world, the boutique, the coffee shop, whatnot, just trying to create that warm, welcoming vibe is something that it is a taught thing. Now you have to say, Hey, say hello. Welcome to Frankie's. How are you? Have you been in here before? You know, give them a tour. That's one thing that I really liked to keep is a hometown feel. I like to engage with other people. I like it to be very warm and cozy. Like when we put the coffee shop in, you know, I love that we have what we call loiterers. We had that at the salon, just free coffee back in the day, but just trying to make it a vibe that everyone's welcome. Our salon floor itself is very open and it's not a very private per chair, you know, situation. We don't even have assigned seats. I kind of laugh about that because if it's a family of two or three kiddos or, you know, a, a few girlfriends or, you know, best friends want to sit side by side and chit chat. We make it a very welcoming feeling for them to be able to enjoy the experience. And that's what I think everything's about in this world is it's not just a haircut, just a cup of coffee. It's the experience that you have while you're there. So I would say just mainly that welcoming vibe and just keeping it very team-based and oriented to my staff. We're all very friendly amongst each other. You might ask the girls sometimes. We're like sisters. We, we tend to fight a little bit, but that's what makes it fun. But just keeping that really fun family vibe, I would say. How do you pick a team as far as people that you think fit into that culture you're trying to create? What are the things you look for when you pick a team? Well, one thing I really recommend are shadow days. Invite someone into your world, see how they fit, see how you fit. Um, oftentimes, you know, there's trial periods that some things may or may not work out. Um, I think as long as someone's coachable, 
if somebody comes in extremely closed-minded and does not want to give or, or budge in any way, <clears throat> I mentioned that I uh, had had in my spine those nine injections. So one thing I had to do was find tools that were ergonomically designed differently so I could be comfortable and safe and happy behind the chair. So I now provide for my stylist all those same types of tools, be it from the, the shears that we hold or to cut here with our scissors or our blow dryers. And, you know, I was in class just yesterday and I had students that refused to try a new way to try something different because it wasn't what they knew. So they did not want to continue that. So, or even attempt to try that. So they were going to continue doing more of the same. If somebody comes in and looks at my tools and says, can I bring my own? I'm like, you can, but I promise you within a week, you're going to want to use the tools that we're providing because it's much safer and healthier fit behind the chair. But if, you know, a little while in, they've not conformed or not even opened their mind to try something. Usually it doesn't last to be, you know, a very good fit, but yeah, if someone's coachable and willing to learn, that's enough for me. Do you see that in your, uh, in your teaching role that you see business leaders that their mindset and they're hard coded and they just, yeah. no matter what you try and teach, they're not going to be, they're, they're not set for a mentor. <laughs> Well, and that's so true. And I feel like sometimes people just don't hear the information properly, kind of like that whole, you know, age old thing of repeating lessons until you learn them. But there's how many ways to count to 10, eight and two, seven and three, six and four. I mean, I start to use these analogies with my owners that there might be a better way. Doesn't mean that you're not getting to the same end goal, but how you get there can be two different ways or multiple different ways. But I feel like I'm one of those people that will be that same same dead horse about be that drum long enough, somebody will listen. So I like to present information in multiple different ways in hopes that if somebody is closed-minded, eventually they'll open up to you and also being asked to be heard. I was kind of laughing yesterday. I had, you know, those few students that were challenging me, a couple of hecklers in the, in, in the back row too. And, you know, I had to stop and just let them know, you know, please be open-minded. Please be willing to learn today. I, I came this far to work with you. I'm here to share and, you know, want you to try and get more out of today than you are. And just asking them to be present and asking permission to let them, let you show them what you know, and just seeing if they're more willing to open up their mind. And I think calling them out on it sometimes is the best thing. I feel like dancing around the elephant in the room that someone's stubborn and close-minded isn't the way to come about it, to hit it head on and approach it by saying, Hey, I think there might be a better way. Will you just hear me out? And ask permission to be heard. And I think that alone, people just respond differently to because they're not used to it. I think we all, by nature, hate confrontation. So we just kind of dance around things and everything's just easier not to, you know, take the hard road. But sometimes when you do, you can get a lot further than you would have otherwise. That's, that's interesting. Um, when you confront something like that, what sounds disrespectful, what's the reaction? Because I imagine they're shocked to be confronted. Right. Right. We'll do it with a smile, of course. Um, I, I use a lot of laughter and sarcasm in, in my delivery of information, typically. Um, I think sometimes it just, it is what it is. And that's what, you know, you might give a small apology. I'm sorry if this is a little bit uncomfortable for you, but I'd like to be here to help. And, you know, take it or leave it for what it is. But I just want to be able to share what I know and see if it might give you one little, you know, snippet of information. And typically I think people are most taken back by, you know, 
being confronted in, this, in a situation like that in a coaching scenario that I've never really been too hard and too challenged that I can't just either brush it off and keep moving. And that's the thing is you have to be able to be told no in this world. I think we're so afraid of being told no that people just don't ever ask the question or don't ever try and you know take that step. So if somebody is unwilling and you've done all you can do, you can go home that day knowing that you tried your best. And if they didn't listen or didn't take it to heart, then that's their loss, not yours. So that's kind of the sad thing is that, you know, in my life, I've, I've laughed about my age in the you know business starting out. There's a lot of times I've not been taken serious. And I'm thinking that's your loss because I have a whole lot more to give in this situation as you've let me. But if it's not the right fit, then it's not the right fit. So I think just overcoming challenges, there's that fearless aspect too, but being able to be told no and just keep at it and keep trying. So that's something that we all need to work on. Yeah, you talked a couple of times already today, what you said earlier about it's lonely when you're the business leader and you talked about sharing your lessons. What's the value to you for a business leader and having a mentor, someone who they can talk to who's been through that journey? When did, did you have mentors along the way or do you wish that you had? If you look back, do you wish you had more mentors to help you? I think I wished I had, to be honest. Like I said, my industry is a very, very, um, very, I guess, independent situation where most owners don't have anyone to talk to. I think I've created networks for business owners. I call them sister salons. You know, even the smallest thing that if you can't afford education because you're just a one little, you know, small town salon, strength in numbers, go be a salon owner two, two towns away, you know, go get together and create monthly meetings and ask, you know, them to join you in that. And I think it's just one of those things that I didn't have anyone to turn to when I was young, starting out as a business owner. And so I looked to other industries to find owners to talk to because I didn't have anybody within my own line of work. But that's the thing about it is a mentor can be good. But like I said, look to those under you that are coming up because they're learning what you didn't learn because it's, it's, it's ever changing and evolving. So having a mentor, I think, is as easy as having a, a colleague, even Steven, same level as you. I think we think a mentor is somebody older and wiser in the business. I think it's a listening ear and I think it's a soundboard. And I think it's literally can be so simple as just saying what you know. You would say it in the mirror to yourself, but you wouldn't say it the same. I think just presenting your information differently or thinking outside the box or just having an outside opinion. And honestly, you know, family and friends, God love them. They've been hearing me talk for years, my, my business to death. And they're probably like, oh gosh, more salon talk. But that's the thing about it is that you look anywhere you can for advice, but sometimes it's already within yourself. You just need someone else to kind of recognize it for you. So talk a bit about Glam Shack. Uh, folks here in the Kansas City area, if they need an event space, you've got Glam Shack. Talk about what that is. <laughs> so the Glam Shack is basically, a, you know, kind of a barn dominium, we say. Uh, we've got a lot of plans coming in the future and it's kind of an evolving day by day um, it does have a full kitchen and a full shower the overnight sleeping options are endless it's just kind of a unique space uh, the downstairs area you know could seat up to 50 i would say i actually hosted my own thanksgiving dinner there this year it was kind of fun but we're hoping to add some more outdoor seating there's a nice little you know patio area out back a fire pit we actually had a small wedding reception there 
for anybody in, in you know the Kansas City area, it's it's just a fun place to kind of get outside the city. Obviously, we're just hop, skip, and a jump, you know, down the road. But it has a really fun feel to it. It's really great photo opportunities. I will say for business purposes and just in general, we added in, you know, a giant drop down, you know, screen so you can, you know, have movie night there and do a fun birthday party. You can do bridal showers, you can do senior grad parties and, you know, have slideshows playing. But it's just a unique space that it can be anything you want it to be. We choose to, you know, host some events there here and there, but it just amazes me the things that we've come up with and the way you can configure, you know, the old farm table um, feel that we have all the furniture in there and, you know, things like that. So it's just a really unique space that I feel like people, when they come to it, you're just kind of drawn in just because it's such a fun, fun atmosphere. But um, yeah, just a unique event center that you can kind of create whatever you want. So if you could go back and see 16 year old Jen or 25 year old Jen, what would you, uh, what would you tell you? <laughs> Do what? What would you tell yourself? Yeah. Now that you know all, you know, on this journey. <laughs> uh, hold on tight. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not real sure. Honestly, looking back, I don't think I had any idea where I was going. Um, never be surprised. I'll tell you that. That's one thing I think. I always knew in my heart of hearts, just like having twins. When I thought I was having twins, I'm like, of course I'm having twins. I'm not shocked. Like, why not? I can multitask. Um, I think, I mean, I would say you got this, like you can do it. I feel like at times I thought I would never get to where I wanted to go. So I think looking ahead, you know, down that road, it was like, oh, I'm never going to be anybody. I'm never going to get you know, where I want to go. But slowly but surely have patience and good things come to those who wait. So here we are. Uh, Anne is asking about how, where they find information and cost about renting the Glam Shack. The Glam Shack is on either Instagram or Facebook, both, but there's the websites, the Glam Shack, um, the Glam Shack by Frankies.com. The Glam Shack. Basically, it's like a hundred bucks for three hours, two or six hours is 200 and then overnight 500. So then you can do 24 hour rentals. So what's next on this journey? Oh, you know... I hate to be a spoiler alert on that. You got to wait and see. Of course. <laughs> You're not done. I know that. You, you can't be finished. <laughs> I mean, there's a few more vacant buildings around, right? Right. There's there's definitely some growth. I, I mean, I, I'd love to expand on the coffee shop a little bit. We've gotten, um, you know, catering added to our menus. And that's one thing that, you know, what's, what's new and upcoming that you may or may not know about um, as a team and myself too, couple things, you know, I now do magazine photo shoots, you know, once a month to kind of go in and get outside my comfort zone and do behind the scenes photo, you know, hair and makeup for that. But bridal industry is huge. And I don't know if anybody knows that, but it's like taking over like wildfire and brides are extra these days. Weddings are extra. Everything's extra, right? So we've opened up a new business called um, Frankie's Bridal Experiences excuse me, where I can bring together a network of just different artists in the industry, be it makeup artists or hairstylists at all different levels. And that's one thing that level-based pricing is something that people are afraid of too, to offer different, you know, types of experience in one sitting. So we now go on location and do weddings. And so all the new venues that are right here in, in our area, I don't know, I've driven 11 words in Liberty my whole career just to go do wedding parties. 
now that we have so many venues right here in our own backyard, it's been fun for me to make that happen so that we can be, you know, their preferred, you know, salon of choice, but then also piece together lots and lots of artists and go around the Kansas City area and beyond. And then making that kind of, you know, the big picture for me. So of course we have the salon for your welcome adventure to your bridal, you know, trial and experience there, meet and greet, get to know your stylist. We get to create a team that has a look just for you, given their signature, you know, look that they might offer. Then we offer catering where we come on location and bring all the, you know, trays, be it mini muffins or bagels or sandwiches. We bring custom coffee orders. You know, we have have overflow sleeping at the Lamb Shack. We do work with now local photographers. I mentioned social media is really big. A lot of bridal parties are really into this TikTok, you know, craze and some of the fun reels and things you see online. So just having a person there to take the behind the scenes photos of your wedding party, help you create the online presence you want for your social media delivery. And then, you know, offering those engagement photos, bonus child. That's a big thing. When you get married now, it's not just you. We're all blended families. And I think just going in and finding all the little details that are being overlooked and creating that whole extreme level of experience has allowed me to bring in so many people. It's like, I love that third Fridays, you know, I, I love Lisa that does that. Cruzy Creations does all the tumblers. I'm like, that's a great bachelorette gift. It's a great gift for your bridal party. Just trying to go in and hot off the press. You know, I'm like, I'm thinking of these people in my mind, how I can call them and say, hey, I want to offer my bride this experience. And of course me, and then all the things, right? It's just kind of snowballs. So I would say my next thing would be the bridal um, work in the industry of that, of bridging the gap between people being so overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. You know, having a couple of food trucks on hand that we've used for third Fridays, being able to offer catering beyond what I can do, the next level of stepping stone. So I would say that's something that I'm hard at work at these days. It's awesome. And Elizabeth has found the uh, link and put in the, the chat here. So she's, uh, she's helped us out. That's awesome. Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, well, I love seeing both what you're doing on your own journey, but also how you're inspiring other entrepreneurs and helping them and giving them a platform and a place to be seen and helping them get their story out just to encourage entrepreneurship and, and the pride and community and all the things that you wrap into that, into the relationships you build. It's incredible. Well, it sure is fun. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's really rewarding. Like I said, growing people. Matt is stylist that couldn't even call and order pizza. She was too shy. And now she owns a salon and boutique and is just killing it in her hometown. And I watch all that she's done. And it's just, it's a prideful moment for me to see people, you know, learn and, and better themselves and grow and face their fears. So we all should do that for ourselves. Well, that's awesome. We'll keep it up. Keep, uh, keep teaching and leading others and sharing a little bit of, of what you've done because it's, it's making a difference, uh, here. And I'm sure all around the country as you travel and teach others. It sure is fun, right? Keep it awesome. up. All you guys yeah, people can uh, see your gen TV clips on uh, Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> yep. Any, any one of my platforms I'm out there all the time. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Jen. It was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And any questions you guys reach out, I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. (laughs) You're not shy now. Definitely not. No. 
Well, have a great week. Everyone enjoy the weekend. It's good to see all of you, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed hearing more about Jen's journey. You can learn more about her work at frankiesharesalon.com, localbrewkc.com, and frankiesboutiqueandglamshack.com. Have an awesome week. Believe in yourself. Get out there and make a difference. I hope to see you again soon.